even you feel a lot of fear, you say yourself, you can, you can, you can, you can, and you stop thinking and just you do the movement. Welcome, welcome to the journey is the destination. Today with us again, Pili and her incredible stories. Today we're venturing away from psychology into climbing, her mindset when she gets into the wall. We're going through her travels and her home country of Chile and we finish with some nice thoughts about death. Yeah, so please hold on until the end because this is so deep and such an incredible knowledge. I'm so excited for you to be able to explore this with her. So join us. Enjoy. Enjoy. coming from what we're talking. I'm really fascinated to try something that we don't usually do with people here. This is basically asking about something that you spend a lot of time doing. So we went to your psychology, which is always like, you open something that's six years of your life, it's super deep, you know. That's why we spent the whole first part around this, but I want to ask you, when it comes to climbing, so you spend your even more time than this, I guess, climbing a lot of time in your life. So, what's your process when you go climbing? So, in the practical manner, like, how do you go about it? Somebody who is maybe fascinated by climbing, but what's the spark, what's the idea, what's the intention? So, one is connection with yourself, with this um, mushroom mycelium <laughs> under all the humans that we are all part of. But, is there something else? What's your practice? What, what, does, it, what does it look like? Three breaths and off we go? or? You have a ta -ta 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 your routine and then you're ready. Yes, the routine always helps. Um, like to warm up first, to get ready to do hard moves and everything and to deal with the high. Mm. <laughs> um, Are you scared of that? A little bit, Ooh, but... Good challenge, she tries yes. good challenge. Yes, I'm more afraid of, of the falling, you know, when you mm. fall in, in climbing and because you can hit yourself and you don't want to feel pain, you know. <laughs> but it's interesting to deal with this fear in climbing. I think this, the most interesting thing in climbing is to deal with the fear, to deal with yourself, like with your own... Because maybe you can, can say, uh, okay, I'm afraid of heights, so I never go to the mountain, I never go high, and I'm, I'm safe here in the earth, <laughs> grounded. But when you face the fear, it's crazy because you find yourself there, right there, in the same present, you know, um, trying to, to deal with it because you want to climb. Your goal is to reach the top. You know that you can do it because you're great, but there is a step that is really uh, tricky and you might fall. So. You are there about to do the step that you can fall, but you need to do it to reach to the top and you know that you can do it because of your grade. <laughs> or because you want to learn and go up your grade, whatever. Then you have to do it. And you have to do it anyway. And then you are there and it's, why I can't? Why I can't? And I see myself saying, you can't, you can't. You are going to fall, you are going to fall. My mind is saying, I can't, I, you are going to fall. And I start to get tired in my arm because I spend too much time thinking going to the next step so that's that's a moment of when I can say I can't 
uh, going down and I feel really bad because I couldn't do it but there is another moment that you are there and even though your mind is saying you can't, you can't you, re you answer, you say I can in a out loud, you, this other voice, you know even you feel a lot of fear like this sensation of fear is inside your body you say yourself, you can, you can, you can, you can even you know that maybe you can fall you can, you can, you can, and you stop thinking and just you do the movement, you know, and then you reach that, and then you reach the top and you face it, the thing that you thought that you couldn't, and you could, is crazy. For me, it's a sensation that is so, oh my God, crazy. <laughs> so good. I feel so good with myself, you know, and, and I feel more powerful, super powerful, and because I, I could see my fear and face it and deal with it. Amazing. Yes, that is really good. Um, I, I, when I felt this for the first time, was the first time that I climbed in the university, I also started to meet different people that were climbers. And, and the, connections with, the connection with the climbers were easier than with other people. I met this my friends the like few months before leaving to Australia because I started to climb like two years before leaving to Australia you see people that also want to be like better person for saying in a way uh, growing up to understand themselves like you can share this talking you know climbing because they want also to to to, to face the fear you know in the same the same adrenaline that they like to feel is sharing so you get to know the people and it's amazing it's a beautiful community the climbers community is i'm at least in chile and it was something sure to go and know that you were going to meet really interesting and nice people I've um, never climbed. I, I did climb, but not really big in a community of climbers in Slovenia. <laughs> but from the climbers that I know, they always share this the same, yeah. Mm. Enthusiasm for climbing and just like pure just joy of life, you know. Mm. Yeah, and if they like to rock climbing, also there is like this um, close, uh, be, to be close of nature. Like this yeah. interesting sharing, interesting, interested of nature that is also there are different levels of course and there are people that they are not interested at all or somewhere but when i traveled to australia alone i i knew that i wanted to climb because i also knew that i want i could meet people around the climber community mm. in any country you know so i was feeling like kind of safe because this climber community because i was a climber you know mm. um but it wasn't that easy in Australia to find the climber community. Mm. What about here, New Zealand? Mm. It's different. I don't know. I don't know why, but usually in, in, in the gyms in Chile, you meet people, you play together. Mm. I mean, you climb and play. And here, people are more focusing on training mm. and going to a gym just to train, 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 train not to share the climbing. Maybe yes, and I couldn't meet too much people uh, doing that. Um, yeah, it depends on the place also, because in Tauranga, uh, there, there were a lot of people, uh, climbers over there, living, like working in, in winter. 
and they have a beautiful spot for climbing around. And it, it was more a community, a climate community, than, for example, Christchurch. I feel like uh, the way that I, that I interpret it. And actually, we have a lot of friends, climbers from Tauranga. It's so important how the community is. Because even yesterday, Om was here speaking on podcast and he was describing that he started doing contact juggling. And one of the things he really loved was this community of people that are always like super nice and open and they share the same values. And the same you're talking here, like you like climbing and you love the community of climbing. So it's, you always come to this community at one point. Yes. It connects everything. Yes. Yeah, I think that. These two things about climbing, <clears throat> like deal with yourself, with your own fears, and have the community, climbers community, and that you are also in nature climbing is the best. It's a complete sport for me. Uh, of what you were talking about, how you deal with your fear, have you used it in other situations too? So can you extrapolate it from away from climbing and just when you're in a situation, something super scary, but to say, okay, now you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. It's hard. Yeah. For me, always is hard is pushing myself to like to be brave. I don't feel like I'm a brave person, you know, like it's not something that comes naturally and easy for me to to push me in a positive way through external world. <laughs> I actually tend more to, um, I don't know, to not, not give me too much credit, kind of saying. Like, I, I rather don't do it sometimes, instead of failing, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I definitely is something I have to work uh, about. I, to, because in climbing, not always I can uh, face the fear. Most of the time, I think I feel uh, weak, you know, mentally. I can feel strong uh, with my body strong, but mentally weak, and I can't. I can't. It's like I can't. Like, okay, I can't. <laughs> and and when I this, I have this. I can't so strong. I lost. Then Maybe. You really can't. <laughs> I really can't. I, yes, maybe I have to also to to learn how to open windows in these affirmations. You know, when I say that I can't or that I'm not able, just give it a chance, just to try. Um, this is something also that I think that I'm 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 not that good or whatever. Is that I sometimes feel or think that I can't something. But that is impossible, and I don't even try to see if I can do it or if it's possible. You know, and I don't like that. I I have to learn how to try and and deal with the failing. You know, deal with with the mistake or whatever, and and know that is part of getting to the can. <laughs> yes, I can now because I tried before. You know. Man, uh, what was the best experience of yours climbing? My best experience of climbing is um, multi-pitch. It's the best for me. Multi-pitch? Multi-pitch is when you climb one route and then your partner climbs the other one. And you are in the same point and then the other one climbs the second route mm-hmm. higher. And then you have to do it to the, that point or two again and then again. And you can do three, four, five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. 
multi-pit, yes, you know, and going higher. And multi-pit. Multi-pit, yes, in the, in the mountain. It's an amazing experience because it's not because when you climb in sport climbing, you are climbing alone and then you go down. Mm -hmm. But in multi-pit, you see the other one climbing with you. Also. Mm -hmm. In this dynamic of going higher, and you are a team, mm. so you work together and you trust each other, and and you also are climbing, you know, having this facing these fears and going up and up, and then you have this view, crazy view, you know, and it's oh, I would love to stay here all my life, <laughs> and and then going down in Rabel is really fun. So in Tonsai, there is Thailand. There are a few multi-pitches that you can see from higher, all the island mm. and the, uh, this bright blue sea mm. with white beach. It's crazy, the wow. colors that you can see. And the monkeys going around. <laughs> You're kind of like a monkey with monkeys? So. Yes. And New Zealand have crazy landscapes also. So, But I think, um, yes, multi-pitches are like the more extreme thing. Wait, for, wait for each other in the wall, hanging? Yes, yes, hanging with your cordada that I know, partner. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have one route maybe that you would love to do or one, one specific peak that you would like to be on top of? Right now, you say? No, in your life, in your climbing aspirations. <laughs> I don't know, I went to Milford Sound mm. and to, to get to the best climbing spot you have to climb through these roots, tree, like the trees are huge and the roots are exposed so you use the roots to climb oh, cool. to, the, nice. to the spot like one hour going up mm. through. It's crazy and crazy experience to just going up through the roots of the trees, super connected with the trees and and just the whole experience to going down, like free solo climbing almost, but it's, it's really easy. Um, it's part of the climbing experience and then you reach to this place where are only hard roots. I couldn't climb there. I would love to climb those roots because they are so hard. So yeah, for sure, I would love to come back to Milford Sound, uh, feeling stronger and well, mm. crazy, nice. Yeah, as the other passion of yours, I know playing didgeridoo. Sorry, sorry. Like I, I know your other passion is to play didgeridoo. Yes. As well, and you mentioned it before. And I, it's I, it's usually so funny to see a woman playing didgeridoo because you never see it. Traditionally, always men do it. Men do it, yeah. So, how, how, how did this happen to you? Why, why did this instrument call you? And how is it for you to be a woman and play didgeridoo around? Yes. How did it sound when it called you? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something that I have never heard before. Mm. So, I was so intrigued for the sound of the didgeridoo the first time that I listened with a friend that he has a didgeridoo. Climbing, we were climbing <laughs> in a rock, so outdoors, um, and we were smoking a lot. <laughs> so we were super connected with the climbing, with the space, with the friends. And this guy had a didgeridoo, and he started to play and just 
my attention was completely in the instrument, like feeling the vibration, you know. For me, in that moment was this sensation of the vibration of the instrument in mm. each part of my body that usually I was, like, when I was listening to music through my ears, you know, like the music, the sound, I don't know. But we did the, the didgeridoo was, not my earrings were feeling it, you know, was the whole body, and the vibration going through every mm. cell in my body. So, I don't know, I, I just wanted to learn how to produce that vibration. So I asked him if I can play, he said, yeah, and they were they were two, two did you do, so we could try, and they were teaching us, you know, mm -hmm. like, really hard to to do the first sound, mm -hmm. the basic sound, really hard. But that got me my attention also, like a challenge again, mm -hmm. <laughs> to to be able to, to produce it, you know, um, because it's up to you. Um, and it calls me uh, the the vibration, I think. Mm -hmm. So that was before traveling Australia, and when I arrived to Australia, um, the first thing that I did was to go to the market and buy a didgeridoo. Well, <laughs> and I started to practicing, and every day I was improving. You know, nice. I was recording myself so I could see how I was improving, and I was super. Um, I wanted to keep to 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 find more people to play. So I was going with my didgeridoo to everywhere, to the park, in the bus, um, to just... Because in that moment I was reading something that if, if you want to attract people to something or something to you, you have to do what you like, you know, if you want to play with someone, show that you are playing and something mm. is going to appear, if you, you know, Beautiful. like this attraction tool, <laughs> that you do what you want and it's going to appear what you are missing or something and suddenly I didn't I couldn't find anyone in Australia in with this method um, <laughs> even though it was interesting for people to ask me oh that is a yeah, yeah, yeah. play and yes that was but I really wanted to find someone that tried the methods didn't work not for me <laughs> <laughs> to yeah but I think I don't know it's really hard also to to try to find someone that plays I mean, five, four years ago, maybe, maybe now it's easier. I know, on my hickey, I feel yeah, like I know many people playing <laughs> I yes. never knew what did you do this, then I come here and now everybody's playing Yeah, in Wajiki is crazy. It, actually, in Wajiki, I think it's the first place that I could develop mm. with more people mm -hmm. um, mm. the practice of mm. the digital teaching and learning mm -hmm. at the same time. Yes, so for me, Wajiki, uh, the last year was my best moment to improve in the digital and to find this confidence to keep playing because yes like four years ago i started but a lot of time i was don't um, feeling the instrument because i couldn't find anyone to play so i was stuck in my lessons i was looking youtube videos and everything but i was alone and i didn't know if i was doing it good or bad or what i missed or so that is also something interesting about the self-practice that sometimes you can say I can't do this I I, 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 I this is not for me um, like this kind of things and then it's like okay this is part of the process you just have to keep practicing even even if it's for just to a breathing exercise um, and and this uh, talking with yourself 
through the self-practice is also a gift mm. that I could um, see after a while that what I was going to um, what I wanted when I played the do I wanted people to um, recognize my playing or did I want to connect with the instrument and bring the vibration to myself and this this talking was always when I was practicing and it's, yeah I want to connect with myself I want to connect mm. with myself so stop thinking how it sounds how it looks just keep it the focus in your breathing through the video and that was my practice a lot of time just the practicing of the breathing through the video even if it doesn't sound good or sound bad like no one I, I didn't have anyone to, to play so yeah. so I, I didn't know and when I arrived to Wahiki was the first time that that I was playing and someone told me like oh that is really interesting let's play together and I was with Faku and Mati nice. and we started to I felt for the first time like someone was listening to the didgeridoo, you know, mm. and that is really important um, because it's also that something that you build with people music, you know, like uh, I, I'm thinking about music um, when you put an intention also in in the moment, like okay, yeah, we are sharing music, so I play to share, so it comes easily uh, the the rhythm or the experience, and then find more people that were interesting to learn so learning teaching to someone to play the didgeridoo is also super uh, value experience to keep learning because you realize what are you doing so you can transmit it and you can um, improve in that thing that you are trying to transmit you are improving at the same time you know yeah, I know you were teaching us once just the very basics and you explained to us this technique of double breathing which is still so fascinating to me so I would be super happy if you can just explain how you do this double breathing because I didn't even know that this is possible for a human body. Yes, yeah, circular breathing. <laughs> circular breathing, please. Yes, I, the, the best way that I like to um, teaching is imagine that you have two lungs, you know, so you have, I mean you have two lungs. <laughs> <laughs> you have the lungs inside your your body and in your mouth when you um, put air in your cheeks this also works like a, that is holding air the same thing that um, lungs can do so you can put air in your your cheeks cheeks is the word yeah so th- these are these are the two lungs so when you want to breathe through the nose, and you have to push air through the, your mouth into the didgeridoo. I mean, the basic is that for making a sound in the didgeridoo, you have to put air through your mouth in the hole of the didgeridoo to make the sound. So you have to be blowing all the time, like, and to keep playing, you don't have to stop blowing, like. So you don't have time for breathing in because you just have to because breathe you out all the time. Yeah. Exactly. So the circular breathing gives you the chance to breathe at the same time that you are blowing mm. because <laughs> you are blowing you're using your lungs to blow but when you inhale you can inhale and stop using your lungs for a moment and use your the air of your cheeks to blow so it's like kind of you know like you are using your only your mouth to push air not your lungs so it's just 
from the cheeks yeah. yeah so you inhale at the same time that you push the air from your cheeks in that moment you breathe so it's a game to fit this inhaling when you push the air from your mouth and then come back to the normal breathing from your lungs mm-hmm. you know the, the only thing that you do when you inhale is put air in your lungs to keep pushing through your lungs because the lung pushing air is, is the strongest um, yeah. in the GTD when you inhale and push the air from your cheeks, you also do a, a sound with the didgeridoo and it's different, depending on the, how do, do you breathe and how long it takes to you to inhale and everything. So that is uh, the dynamic of the didgeridoo also, using this sound that is different when you inhale and you push from your cheeks than when you are pushing from your lungs. That is so incredible. For me. Still, it's so incredible to hear this because I never Imagine that we can actually do inhale and exhale in the same moment, yes. so putting air in and out. But you can, you can, you can practice. I know, I know. Sounds complicated. I know, I know. When I asked you how hard it was to to learn the jiridu, you said maximum, maximum. <laughs> so is it the hardest thing you ever learned, or I, I don't know because what is hard, you know, like <laughs> it's it's really hard hard <laughs> to put in levels some things. Didgeridoo um, is hard, but every instrument I think is hard because everyone, every instrument demands practice. Mm. For example, I think violin is really hard. Mm. If you practice, you can get the mm. method, you know, the, the dynamic of your fingers and and the, uh, the dynamic with the other hands, with the arch. I don't know how to say that in English. <laughs> um, but it's hard to have a good sound in the violin. That sounds like neat, you know. Or if you play the saxophone, also you need practice. Maybe it's easier to get the sound, like the basic sound, um, because you have to blow and. But you still have to know how to do like a beautiful rhythm, or I don't know if beautiful, but coordination, coordination of, yeah. of the sounds. At the end, is this how how you manage your instruments to do a rhythm to do a different sounds that sounds good for you and it's not noise, you know, like difference mm. between, between harmony and noise or music and noise, I don't know. But I think it's hard because not 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 is is not too much people know how to play it. So it's hard to find like a teacher or someone that mm. tells you what is wrong or because you are playing and you don't know really what, what is going wrong, you know. Um, what is the thing that I have to improve to, to get better, you know? So you have mm. to do a, like a self-research to... And I think that is the hard part, yeah, to, mm. to motivate yourself to, yeah. to, to, to self-teaching, mm. yes. It's interesting that you couldn't find anyone in Australia when this is like a place where... But I was in Melbourne. Are from. Yeah. I was in Melbourne in a short period, I mean three months, that I was like this mm-hmm. kind of dynamic of mm. going with my DDU everywhere to see. I, I, I met a French guy that plays, but it was, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> was not that, yeah. But yeah. I think because I maybe also I was expecting to to have someone that said me, yeah, okay, you have to do this and mm. this and this, like, mm. like almost like a guide, you like know. A teacher, yeah. mm. And, and the, and the moment that I, le- when I learned more, when, was when I, was with more people that were we were all trying to learn so mm-hmm. just just giving the space to just practice yourself like 
keep practicing. I think you 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 can teach yourself anything if you go deep in in, in the thing because you are feeling it, not because you pretend something. You know, when yeah. it's different when you pretend something, you can lose a lot the motivation, whatever. But when you are feeling it, this connection, this true nature connection, um, I think that goes by itself. Goes deep. Well, for the circular breathing, it's used by other instruments, yeah. but yeah, of course, all the blowing instruments are using it. Who? The oboe, the clarinet, the saxophone. I uh, never knew this. I, I played flute. You trumpet players. Like this flute, how do you call this flute? The metal yeah. one? I don't, I'm not sure if it's the same method. Yeah, same I, I don't idea. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm. But... Um, I feel like this always when you are describing did you do is even more than this it, it demands all of you your whole body like even when someone else the new is telling me is like look I can either play or not play I can just you know play and look at you and you know do anything but just you play 100% there yeah that's that's so. super true but I think all the instruments if you are fully connected you can't interact mm. with others mm. if you are... But it, can you play uh, DJ just a little bit? Yes, I can play a little bit, like yeah? looking at you, like not being, the, but, but make sounds. But I don't, I don't gonna be inside yeah, the yeah, DJ. I don't, I don't gonna be the part of the DJ, and that happens a lot, a lot. Like when you are more mm-hmm. focusing on the external mm-hmm. thing um, than in your breathing, you know. Oh, that was super interesting. Yeah, yeah, I love it so, so much. Yeah. It's very unique. Yeah. Okay, then on top of all this, I have one, one question. Um, so, we're now talking about climbing, we're talking about DJ, music, making all these revelations about the world and yourself. What did you do when you were studying? Did you have a, a job, a hobby, or something that you were really like, passionate about? Or it was just school work, I mean, school, school work, and maybe, I don't know, social life, whatever, but... Did you have anything that was at that time driving you or traveling gave you everything? I think traveling <laughs> gave me my connection with myself because Every time. it's crazy. I, when I was studying, a lot of responsibilities that doesn't give you too much space to... Mm. I mean... To explore yourself. To explore yourself, yes. I, I was trying to be a good daughter, mm. a good partner and a good student. Mm-hmm. So I was super focusing in these roles, mm-hmm. these tasks. Um, so I was around these roles all the time. I was feeling a little bit depressed <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes, like we, uh, without, yes, without energy. But when I met climbing, I, for the first time, I think I find something yeah. to um, that is mine, you know okay, this is mine, this is my feeling, this is something that I like, mm-hmm. because I like, <laughs> because I know, I, nobody knows more than me that, that I, I, what, what I felt. And I think also marijuana was like this <laughs> when I first smoked. I also felt connection with myself, um, how I was feeling. It gave me like a perspective um, outside myself, outside my ego of what I was doing, um, how I was, how I, how I was interacting with other people, um, with my family. I could see the dynamic with my family mm. when I started to smoke. Uh, be more empathic, I, I think, to, that I am not the only one that is 
involved in mm. in a problem, you know. I don't know. It gives me yeah, this, this sense of connection. Mm. When you're t- talking about you're trying to be a good person in every role that you had, is there something about home, about uh, Chilean culture, or even just the infrastructure, the cities? I don't know that you really miss, or what do you still carry dear with you uh, in your heart? Hmm. I think what we share with Chileans, what I don't know all of the Chileans, of course, <laughs> but we share a lot of things in common. That is about like the communication with our families. The education that we got, mm, that is really harmful. The way that they teach you to be yourself, because they don't teach you to be yourself. They mm. teach you to do something or to be something. Um, so we all are carrying that those labels that we had to deal with them in once mm-hmm. in the past. In, so in in Chilean culture the um, mental health um, is really poor mm-hmm. yeah it's a problem in Chile stress depression mm, a lot of and su- suicides mm, like people that are not happy with their lives you know and they just adapt to the system and try to find happiness in these little moments that, and it's amazing because I think we can find happiness in these little things uh, and we really feel this happiness and we can share it mm-hmm. and and it's really warm when when you are around this this moment with Chileans you know um, that's I, and, and I don't know like this um, these situations that, that were hard also they gave you energy because you had to go out from those situations mm-hmm. somehow you know, nobody teach you, nobody like holds you or listen to you, like you had to do it by yourself, everyone, I think. I mean, if you if you had a good family and warm and they listen to you, that is maybe easier. Um, but a lot of people, um, we share a lot of this pain of, of not being okay with who we are, you know or thing that happens that nobody could un- help to understand what was happening with your emotions. So you had to go out from the situation by yourself and this energy, you, you are carrying it, you know. I, uh, I can see in, in, in my friends this energy of, I don't know, to fight <laughs> or mm-hmm. to, go, to go out like in a strong way somehow. I don't know. I, 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 I like the energy of Chilean people. I don't know why, maybe it's something there, but every time that I meet a Chilean, I can connect with that thing, with that energy, with that. And I, my best friends traveling are Chileans. And I mean, the people that are, they have been more connected with me, like mm-hmm. my partners, um, my friends that we have been living together longer. Mm-hmm. We ha- there have been Chileans, so mm. I don't know. I'm just thinking that in my experience, of course. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a part of home. Part of, of yes, how we grow up. Mm. The language is really important, also, to yeah, share course, the, the 
same words, same slang, mm -hmm. the same rhythm of speaking, a lot of things that are mm -hmm. uh, particular uh, to the language, to Chilean language, <laughs> that I like it a lot. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, we speak Spanish, but I heard all the time that Chilean Spanish is the worst Spanish, it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard how Chilean speaks? I mean, yeah, I hear you when you talk to Pato or someone, but I don't understand. I mean, for me, Spanish is Spanish, so okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> I understand true. these few words around. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I think, um, I mean, at least I had to s to learn again how to speak Spanish. Spanish or <laughs> Chilean? Spanish. <laughs> because at the beginning, no one could understand what I was saying. Even, Whoa, I mean, really? they, were, they were from Colombia or mm -hmm. Venezuela. Mm. Well, and yes, I was living in a, with, with flatmates, six of them. Four of them were from Latin America, and all of them had problems to understand what I was saying. <laughs> I was speaking too fast and with too many slang. Mm -hmm. Too oh, much yeah. slang. You are a fast speaker, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I had to learn how to speak slow and with less slang, more neutral. Mm. So now I think I speak more neutral Spanish. I, I mean, I try to, because my I really want people to understand what I want to say. Of course, yeah. <laughs> this is why we're talking. <laughs> yeah, yes, the language is important. Also, the English is important. Mm. Also, keep improving the pronunciation and everything. Mm. Has it caused you a challenge, English in general? I know some people from South America just stay in Spanish and never move to English. I see you've long moved to English, but uh, was it hard for you, the struggle when you kind of, I don't, don't understand whatever, or you had enough, enough background from uni and mm. learning before you left? I don't know, like I was in Chile and I thought that I had a good English. But then I arrived to Australia and I couldn't speak, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. And I understood super little. Um, luckily, my first job was in group and the group was following the orders of um, manager. And there are a lot of Latin people there, so they told me what, what to do. do. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but that was amazing because it, it was a transition, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and from there, I started to have different jobs and, and in, in, I think in when I was living in Port Douglas with only English language speakers in, in, in working a lot that was when I could learn more you know around English and I had a flatmate that also speak English so it's important to, to not, not stop speaking you know? <laughs> when you stop speaking you lose the, the English thing Yes, but also it's hard when you have a partner that is Chilean. <laughs> you you don't speak English also. So. Of course, for me it's the same. When I have a partner that's Chilean, we always just. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I feel happy with my English. I mean, I can communicate with others and. Yeah, it's been great. It's Alright, I have just one um, yeah, cherry question. So, in Chile, what was your favorite place or the most incredible thing that you visited? Or the one that you would, oh my god, just go back to? I think Cochamón. Cochamón? Yes, Cochamón is a place in the south of Chile mm -hmm. where you reach that place walking six hours. Terra de Fuego. Huh? Terra de Fuego? 
No, tiene la de fuego. I haven't been there. It's even more south. Yeah, that is southern, I think. I know really little about Chile and I really want to come back to to go deep in the places. Yes, as a traveler. I was in Chile more as a resident. Yes, yes. You don't travel too much, you know. Yeah, for sure. So yes, definitely, I want to come back and do the whole Chile and not all the nature around native trees, native birds and mountains and everything, mm -hmm. hopefully. <laughs> so for the end, we have a nice game for you. <laughs> it's gonna be like this, we're just gonna give you some questions and your role is to answer them as short as possible. Okay. So maybe one word, one, one sentence. Word. If you could meet yourself while you were studying, what advice would you give to yourself? The first thing that comes is don't suffer. <laughs> don't suffer. <laughs> but if I tell that to myself and I will, what? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I think don't suffer. <laughs> nice. Okay, so you have a superpower to change one thing in the world like this. So it can be a physical thing, it can be a thing about people, about society, whatever feels dear to you. What would we change overnight in everybody? Take as much time as you want. A spiritual connection. In what sense? What? What do we want to do about this? Like uh, in real or in, in my imagination, like with superpowers? In real yeah, world, with, but with I'm this real. superpower that you can change everybody's mental state or idea or perception or a concept. I think it's remember that you are animals. Mm. We are animals, animal kingdom. We're not superior to animals. Speciesism. Okay. What is one thing that you cannot live without? About oxygen and water, because you're One thing that I can't live without. Friends. For me, it's more how much your mother, but I'm joking. Friends, and my mother is a friend. What's your spirit animal? My spiritual animal. Oh, so hard. Let me let me see which animal. I I don't know. I I like I like I really feel connected with cats a lot. I cats. Yeah, I do it. I don't know, like I I I don't know if because I grew up with a cat or something, but when I see a cat and when I think in what they do, like I'm super similar to them. <laughs> I I really like love, but not all the time, you know. And when I want, <laughs> and I don't know, like this, they are super playful. They play all the time. They are worried about to jump and doing crazy things, and you don't know where they are. They are doing like things around, you know, secret life of cats. <laughs> and I don't know. They they produce this sound when they are okay that is a language you know they are expressing that they are they are okay i don't know i, I like that the is 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 you can read a cat mm -hmm. i think what were what were you thinking about a bird yes i also i always i was thinking they're like a colibri or something like this would be a bird <laughs> i saw only a big tall black cat with an umbrella like a fancy 
That's a cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I really don't imagine you like a cat for some reason. I don't know. I think I I am both. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm so. You have many animals. Yes, but, but I I also... this is just my perception. Who cares? What yeah, I think. I... Like... no, but it's okay. I for me flying is. I mean, I dream with flying. I mm. I have a concept. All the songs that I like in my list are about flying. You know, like I have a connection, a deep connection that is out of my control, flying and be free like a bird flying through mm. the world, you know, mm. yes, it's crazy. Nice. Okay. But I think also cats are free, you know? Yes, definitely. They stay because they receive love, you know, mm. so they decide where to stay, actually. So, I like That's that. true, yeah. Cats are free. <laughs> okay. What do you think is the biggest skill to have in life? The, the what, right? The biggest skill that someone can have in life. Self-knowledge. Nice. Mm. Cool. So imagine yourself, you're successful in any way that you define success. And this is in maybe some time, maybe today. But you sit in your room and, I don't know, by your desk or whatever, on your cushion. And there's one thing, one really like shiny thing, one beautiful, the most precious thing that you have. Or it can be also a room or a piece of furniture. Do you have something in mind that it's just like, wow, this is the thing I would really like to have, but think of it not so much materialistic, more meaning. But in a materialistic in way? In a materialistic but way, but meaning. more with, yeah, with higher meaning for you. Can something that you already have or something that you just imagine? Instruments. Mm -hmm. All the instruments in the world. <laughs> All the instruments. Actually, I, I'm thinking a handband. I would love to have a handband. Mm -hmm. um, nice. But it's really hard to, to, to yeah. carry. A room of <laughs> instruments? When, as soon as <laughs> nice. I can be settled in a place, I will have a handband. Mm -hmm. Yes, for this. Oh, amazing. Cool. And maybe the last question. So, when you look at our society and the way we raise children, are there any aspects that you disagree with and what would you do differently? <coughs> I disagree with everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what would you do? I wouldn't put my kids in extra school. <laughs> I think the first thing that I I would teach is emotions. Mm. To recognize emotions. Mm. To because that is the nature of our human beings, you know, like be emotional. So when you're born you go through different emotions that if you as parents don't know how to deal with your own emotions you don't know how to deal with the kids emotions and mm. that's when the problem begins you know yes. so i think that the teaching to recognize the emotion where that it came from and how to deal with emotion and non-violent communication <laughs> to, to deal with, with to deal with the situ with the situation to find um solutions and strategies to go through the problem to find peace again. Nice. Cool. cool. Any last words that you would like to add or leave or anything that wasn't said that has to be said? <laughs> no, I think that we pretty much said <laughs> everything. Actually, no, there's no more. I remember just right now, you once talked so beautifully about dying from the Tibetan book of life and death and how your, your experience with your grandma when she died. And for me, if you're prepared to share a tiny bit of your aspect, what death is for the end and how we should approach it, that would be the most beautiful ending if you are ready to do that. Yes. How can we deal with the end of this podcast? Yeah, now it's <laughs> going to the end of the life. <laughs> yes, I actually 
a dream a lot of dying like but at the beginning like years ago I was actually super afraid of dying mm. I, I went to the psychologist because the fear makes me really anxious mm. like I was I couldn't control my my the, the emotion behind thinking about dying this not existence anymore you know that the die of the death of Pilar, you know. <laughs> um, so it's the ego who is suffering, you know. The Tibetan Book of Life and Death, I think, show you, show me um, the difference between what we think that we are, this question of who you are, this mm-hmm. ego part that exists because you are, you have an identity, you have a history, you have something to hold and keep going. Um, and that part die. When you die, that identity, you know, but your real nature, what gives you life, what is your soul, your unconscious, your connections with everything, doesn't die. It can't die because it's life. Life doesn't die. <laughs> mm. So when I could understood that when we die, dies our ego, this identity that is this the gift that I have now to enjoy, you know, to play with that identity. I can play to play the didgeridoo and <laughs> and climbing and suffering <laughs> and cry and, and and everything through this body that gives me an ego, an identity. But when we die, that ego dissolves. Your true nature reveals. And in the Tibetan book of life and death, there are the bardos that are the they, they have these steps of after die. So you die, and it, the process of dying is beautiful if you know it and you can recognize it because it's the death of the elements. We are composed for four elements: fire, water, air, and air and earth, um, and ether. But that's focusing for the fire, water, air, and earth. You can see how the body starts to losing each element uh, step by step. The first one that they, it goes is earth. That is like the structure of the body, what makes us move. So you are in bed. You can't stand up. You can't move, you know. But you are there and you're conscious that you're going to speak. People can come to visit you and, you know, that is the first element that you can still live in. Like losing a little bit of this element. Then um, the, the element that you lose is water. So you start like having yes dry and also the, losing the control of pee. You know, you're you're losing water through your eyes, through like the mouth, mm-hmm. salivating, um, making you pee yourself. You know, like you start losing control of your, of your waters. Um, and then there's the third element that goes slowly is fire and fire is like the element of consciousness like the intelligence so you are less aware of things you maybe don't remember faces you don't remember how to speak you are less agile in language you know like um, yes less present and the last element that goes is air so air when is when you stop breathing. Without breathing, you die. And that is the last.
last element. So it's the also the most living element. Through air, we can feel alive. You know, this it's the practice of also the pranayama and the digital playing is so important to that brings you this consciousness of the importance of air and breathing. So the person stop breathing and the die the the body dies because it's not that the your blood is not circulating and everything. So your system has stopped working. At, after that your nature is revealed because you are not a body you, you are not holding but your body. You don't have limits. So you are part of everything. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that you see things as like hallucinations, you know, like image, some a, a lot of things that appear and you can have two reactions. You can be afraid of what you are seeing, like it's new and you don't know what is happening and and you can get like really, you feel that you want to come back where the place that where you're feeling better. It's not consciousness, it's just everything mixed. But the practice of meditation in Buddhism uh, is to be in this state, state of mind where you are one with everything, where you are not uh, different from the external world, you are one. So in this moment of dying, when you face the oneness, your own nature, you know that is that what you are seeing is yourself. It's not part a part of you. It's not something that is going to hurt you or is going to happening to you. It's part of your nature. It's you. It's yourself. So you have to deal with that. To just being there with that as one. And it's gonna be a moment described described in in the in the book where a light is gonna appear and going to going through you through all this thing that is happening like a light that is gonna like I don't know how to say it like when you go through something mm -hmm. pierce huh pierce pierce you and and you have two options you can run away of the light and that means to come back to the human world to reborn again in samsara <laughs> Or you can deal with the light that is super strong, surrender to that and transcend being light. That is supposedly the theory, you know. So basically there is a part that says if you want to transcend, don't go where you feel that it's gonna be safe. Because that is moving for fear. You, know, you are moving by fear to that place. So Go where the light is. Yes. Just deal with whatever is coming. In a sense, I think you you told me this that uh, this book teaches you how to live in a way that you can prepare for to a long night yeah. to die. Yes, and and one one of the things is to deal with situations without being afraid of of them, um, even if that means to die. Every decision, every <laughs> courageous moment is preparation to die. Yeah, everything. <laughs> All the life. Huh? And I think oh, I like, I really like to be in my present, be being grateful every time because, for example, we can die right now. And I really want to be in a state of, of that I feel grateful for life, for life. So I can say, thank you for giving me this time 
you know, even though it can end now, you know, like, thank you for giving me this time and I'm be really grateful I know been suffering because it's ending, you know. Yes. And that you can put that in everything in your life. If they tell you that you can you have to leave this house tomorrow or the next week. That there is also what happened with my visa, you know, you have to leave New Zealand. I was super afraid of leaving New Zealand. So I I, 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 I failed in this kind of deal with the situation and just let it happen. I don't know. There's a lot of lessons to to see where where are you challenged, where where are you feeling fear, where, which things makes you feel fear. I think that that question is also important. So thank you for giving us this time. Yes, on yeah. podcast. Thank you so That's much. beautiful. Yes, super happy to share everything. Mm. Beautiful. Super Love you. for everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lots of love. Everyone is gonna die. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you're thinking of someone who would really like this story, share it with them. And if you like the story, please like or leave a review. And wherever you listen, you can always subscribe. Other than that, thank you for coming and have a beautiful day. Lots of love. Ciao. See you next time.